neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to establishedinthefaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. We're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, dealing with the rapture of the church. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. tonight to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. This verse right here is where we believe the rapture of the church will take place. Now, some of you may not know what the rapture is. Others of you that's been in church for a long time, you know exactly what it is and you've uh, heard it all your life. So tonight will be somewhat of a refresher to you, but... It is probably, I wouldn't say uh, the most important doctrine in the Bible, but it is one of great importance of which we need to look at and address and try to get an understanding to it. But before I get into uh, the actual rapture itself, let me break down this verse because there are a couple of things here I want to bring out and show you. Uh, There in the first verse, take a look at those first two words there in that verse. John said, after this. Well, after what? After what? After the first vision. You see, uh, the book of Revelation is not one long, continuous, ongoing vision. God gave John a little bit here and a little bit there and so on and so forth. And all that we have studied from that point up until now was the first vision. We're fixing to begin the second uh, vision. And John was on the Isle of Patmos, which was a small treeless rocky island about 37 miles off the coast of Asia Minor. And while he was there on that island, he said, I was... In the spirit on the Lord's day. And you got to understand something. John was arrested and incarcerated there on that island. And he's somewhere around 90 years of age. And those soldiers are forcing him to do labor. Bust up big rocks and make them into little rocks and whatever the case. 
So he's going through quite a rough time to be a man 90 years old. But he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And no matter what he was going through, he still recognized the Lord's day. And I just wish more Christian people today had the, the I don't know what word I'm looking for, the integrity and the, the grit that John had. Because on Sunday mornings, you can ride by and see people with a hand stuck out to see if there's any rain to determine whether they're going to go to church or not. But you better believe they'll go to that ball game whether it rains or not. Hello? They do whatever else they want to do if it's raining, but any excuse in the world to keep from coming to church, that's what they'll do. But if anybody had an excuse to not go to church, it was John. But John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was praising and worshiping God. And while he was doing that, he heard a voice behind him. And... He turned to see that voice. And he said that voice was like the sound of a trumpet, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because in the first vision, that voice that he heard had the sound of a trumpet. In this second vision in Revelation 4 and verse 1, That same voice has the same sound. So it's the same person that's talking with him, the Lord. Now, the trumpet is symbolic of power and authority. And a trumpet has a very distinct sound to it. You can detect the trumpet in the midst of other instruments that are playing. It's very distinct. And you and I as Christians need to be able to recognize his voice. His voice is very distinct. When you do something wrong, you should have that check in your spirit. The Lord speaks to you and says, "Uh -uh, that's, that's wrong. You don't do that. You need to recognize his voice. It is distinct like the sound of a trumpet. And... Like I said, the same voice that John heard in the first vision is the same voice that he hears in the second uh, vision. And he said, after this, I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. Two things I want to say here. This door being open gives John the ability to see what is going on in heaven. And what is going on in the spirit world. If you want to know what's going on in the spirit world. Read the book of Revelation. Because it's the greatest opening up into the spirit world. So that you can see what's going on in any other book in the Bible. And what John sees he portrays it to us. He sees something strange take place in heaven. And then he relays to us what is going on here on earth as a result of what was done in heaven. So my point is simply this. Nothing happens on this earth 
without it crossing God's desk first. I said nothing happens on this earth while it don't cross God's desk first. He has to approve it. Things just don't happen. God's not sitting there, oh, what am I going to do? There was an earthquake over there. What am I going to do? He's not wringing his hands wondering. He already knows what's going to happen. He knows the beginning from the ending. Let me bring it down to a personal level. Nothing happens to us without God already knowing about it. He knows what's going to happen to you tomorrow before you get there. Now, think about that. He knows what is going to happen to you tomorrow before you get there. That does not mean that God caused it. See, we do things on our own and get our own selves in trouble when we don't take our medicine like we ought to. And we go above and beyond our limitations. We're not the Superman we used to be. And we go to try to lift something more than what we should be. And we hurt our back. God knew that was going to happen. But we're the one that made the decision to do that. So God knows what's going to happen long before we get there. And... John is able to look into the spirit world, and we're going to see a lot of things taking place in heaven. And then we'll take a look at what is happening here on earth as a result of those things that are taking place in heaven. Number two, that open door. The reason that that door is open is because Jesus opened that door. Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, if you've got a minute to flip over there, I'm going to show you something here. Hebrews chapter 10, move down, if you will, to verse 19. Hebrews 10, verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Sin separates man from God. And it's only through and by what Jesus did at Calvary that you can enter into the presence of the Lord. Now, let me explain something here. Back in the Old Testament, it started first with the tabernacle. The tabernacle had two parts to it. The holy place and the holy of holies. When the temple came along, it had a number of other rooms, but still basically two main areas. The holy place and the holy of holies. The holy of holies is where the ark of God was located. And God dwelt between the two cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant. No one was allowed into the Holy of Holies because the presence of God was so strong it would strike you down. 
Only once a year was a priest allowed to go into that area, the Day of Atonement. He would offer up a sacrifice and he would take the blood and he would go behind the veil into that holy place and offer up the blood. And if there was any spot whatsoever, he would be smitten dead on the spot. And tradition says that they would tie a rope around the leg of the priest that went in there. If something were to happen and he were to drop dead, they could drag him out, whatever the case. But sin separates from God. And this was God's way of showing man that sinful man cannot come into the presence of God. So that's the reason for that veil between the Holy of Holies and the holy place. In the temple, that veil was from the ceiling all the way down to the floor. It was four inches thick. One of the Jewish historians said that a yoke of oxen couldn't have pulled that thing apart. Because this was God's way of showing man, you cannot come into my presence because of sin. But when Jesus died on Calvary, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50. The Bible says that when Jesus had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. When Jesus died on Calvary, that veil was rent from top to bottom. Not from the bottom up to the top. Because someone would say, well, somebody went over there and grabbed it and and tore it. It was torn from the top down to the bottom. It was like two big giant hands took that veil and ripped it apart. Opening up the way into the Holy of Holies where God dwells. It was God's way of saying, now you can come into my presence. Now you can have relationship with God, but it's only through and by what Jesus did at Calvary. That's it. Because of what Jesus did, we can boldly approach his throne. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many of you need some help? But you need grace to help in that time of need. Grace is simply the goodness of God. And God moves and works through and by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving and working on your behalf. Whatever you need, go before the throne of grace. Go before the Lord and ask Him. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So whatever it is you desire when you pray, ask the Lord about it. But always ask according to His will. And always ask according to His divine wisdom.
Because sometimes we want things that's not necessarily in our best interest. It might not be the best for us. So when we pray, ask the Lord, but say, Lord, you know best. And I'm trusting you to supply my need the way you see is the best to do. And you're not showing a lack of faith when you do that. You're just showing that you're trusting the Lord to meet your need. Now, going back to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. John said that first voice which he heard was as it were of a trumpet, talking with him which said, Come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. Now, like I said, this is where we believe that the rapture will take place. Now, if you did a word search... Sit down at a computer and look through the King James Version for the word rapture. Guess what? It ain't in there. You won't find it. Because of that, a lot of people don't believe in the rapture of the church. But let me tell you where this verse comes from. If you will, take a look. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'm going to show you something there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The word rapture comes from a Latin word, raptus. And it is found in this verse here I'm fixing to point out to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. What is that? The dead in Christ shall rise first. That's a resurrection. Correct? All right. That's a resurrection and Paul talked more about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we're going to look over there in just a moment verse 17 then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up or raptus r-a-p-t-u-s shall be caught up or raptus Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, the word raptus is where we get our English word rapture from. So there's your connection. You won't find the word rapture in the Bible, but because of the Latin language, the word is used, and it's where we get our English word from. Now, the word raptus means to be caught up, to seize, to snatch up forcibly. Interesting. Or to be lifted up and carried away. I like that definition. To be lifted up. And carried away. How many of you need to be lifted up? You need some uplifting. (laughs) 
One of these days you're going to be down and out and in the dumps, and all of a sudden you're going to be uplifted and carried away. <laughs> Woo, what a day that's going to be. All right. Now, here we have in these two verses, in verse 16, we have the dead in Christ rising. That's the resurrection. In verse 17, we see those in Christ who are still alive when that take place. Being caught up or raptured. Now, this is going to happen so fast. Paul said in Corinthians fifteen fifty-two, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's how fast it's going to take place. There's going to be a resurrection of those that have died in the Lord. They're in Christ. They're saved. They're going to be risen from the dead to meet the Lord in the air. And in those of us which are alive at that time, we're going to be raptured. So you're going to have a resurrection and a rapture, boom, all at the same time. So, and it's going to happen so fast. One event that's going to be in the, in the blink of an eye. It's going to happen so fast. Resurrection and rapture. It's going to happen so fast. Same word represents the same event. So if you want to say resurrection or you want to use the word rapture, whatever you want to use, if you're dead in Christ, you're going to be resurrected. If you're alive at that time, you're going to be raptured. So that's, that's the only difference. But the word rapture, we use that word a lot because guess what? We're alive at this time. But when it takes place, we may be buried somewhere. But I'm hoping to be raptured. All right. Turn over, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 53, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53, for this corruptible, talking about our physical bodies, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. That's a glorified body. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And like I said, this right here, the mortal putting on immortality, the corruption putting on incorruption, is what is known as the glorified body. Now, let me explain what is going to happen. When you die, your soul and your spirit leaves your body and goes to be with the Lord. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, I'm talking about those of us that are saved. The poor sinner man out here that does not know Christ, that has not repented of his sin and has accepted Christ as his Savior, when he dies, his soul and spirit goes to hell. And there he will be for eternity. But for those of us that are saved, when we die, 
there is a separation, and that's what death is, separation of the soul and the spirit from this physical body, and we go to be with the Lord. Now, the physical body is left back here on this earth, and you know what we do with that. We normally bury it, cremate it, whatever the case. But when the resurrection takes place, wherever that body is, God knows where every little molecule and atom is at. If it's buried out here or if it's buried over there or maybe it was burned up in a house fire, cremated. Maybe the person was swallowed up by a big fish and they're laying at the bottom of the ocean. God knows where every little piece is at and he's going to bring that body forth. Not a corrupted body. But a glorified body and there's going to be a reunion of the soul and the spirit with that brand new glorified body. Now that's the resurrection. Now those of us that are alive and remain at that time. We're just going to be caught up and changed in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. There's just going to be a pile of clothes laying here. My glasses will be laying here, my, my microphone and my belt, my shoes, everything's going to be laying right here. Well, Brother James, ain't you going to be naked? No, I'm going to have a white robe bought and paid for through and by what Jesus did at Calvary. And I'm going to have a glorified body. I'm going to have some hair again. <laughs> Went to the barber shop today. I actually had a couple of minutes. And uh, used to, it took me about 15, 20 minutes. Now it don't take me but a couple of minutes to go in there, snip, snip. And <laughs> but at any rate, I won't need these glasses anymore. You won't have those aches and pains anymore. We'll be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And... We are in a fallen state. We don't see things like we ought to see it with our natural eyes. There are certain spectrum and prisms of light that we cannot see because we're in this physical body. But when we get over there, we're going to be able to see the way that God intended for us to see. And what a beautiful place that's going to be. Due to the fall, we do not hear sounds like we ought to. But buddy, when you leave this physical body and you go over there, you're going to hear such beautiful music like you've never heard before in all of your life. There are certain emotions that we experience here on this earth because of the fall. Certain chemicals that get produced in the brain and whatever the case we're in this corruptible physical body but all of that's going to be removed we're going to experience life like we've never known it before and we're going to have that glorified body now some of you are wondering what is that glorified body going to be like i've already discussed some of that i don't know i ain't never seen a glorified body 
But we do have a description of one in the Bible. And that is the Lord's body when he was resurrected from the dead. Um, in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Move down to verse 2. 1 John 3 verse 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a child of God. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. All we've got right now is a down payment. We're all still a work in progress. Some of us need more work than others. Don't say amen too loud. <laughs> look right straight at me right now. Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your wife. Don't look at your neighbor. Look right straight up here. Don't look too hard. <laughs> but we're all a work in progress. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, when Jesus appears at the resurrection rapture, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The same type of glorified body that Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. That's the kind of glorified body that we are going to have. Now, let's take a look at some of the things that Jesus was able to do in that glorified body he could change his appearance so that others couldn't recognize him two of the disciples were walking down the road and jesus just walked up behind them and started talking to them they didn't know who he was he done changed his appearance they, he he could he could conceal himself and he could and then after a while he said something to them, and they recognized who he was, and he disappeared out of their sight. That's another thing that you'll be able to do with this glorified body. You'll be able to appear and disappear. Um, doors and walls couldn't restrict him. He was able to appear and disappear, and it made, it made no difference what kind of structure the disciples were gathered together the bible said they had the doors closed and all of a sudden boom there jesus appeared in the midst will we be able to do that well the bible says right there i just read it to you we shall be like him but when we see him we shall be like him we'll see him just as he is so the same glorified body that jesus had we're going to have one very similar to that Jesus was able to eat, he was able to drink, he was able to talk, can I get an amen? <laughs> eat, drink, and talk, but there are the big ones right there. <laughs> as long as I can eat, drink, and talk, I'm happy. <laughs> Jesus could walk, and guess what else Jesus could do? He could fly. Oh, well, where in the world you get that from? Well, the Bible says he ascended up into the cloud. 
And a cloud received him out of their sight. If that ain't flying, I don't know what is. You mean to tell me, Brother James, I'm going to be able to, to fly with that? Hey, Jesus did. And there's a whole lot of other things, too. Our minds just haven't conceived it all. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God's got prepared for those that love Him. program today has been a blessing to you. We hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.